0: The Most Important People in the World With Charles Berman and Jonathan Berman Featuring interviews with people with interesting viewpoints which, if true, could make them the most important people in the world Let's meet one of them now All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, or whenever you're listening. This is the Most Important People in the World podcast. I'm Charles Berman. I'm here with my co-host...
1: Jonathan Berman.
0: And we've got a very exciting program uh, this week, I I believe we've got. uh, On the program with us, Anita Joe Intenzo, the author of uh, the book Estate of Horror. Thank you very much for coming on the program with us.
2: Thank you very much, Charles and John, for having me on your show. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, what we... And and again, if if you want to read... The,
0: the website while you're listening, anitajointenzo.com. dot and I, I've been looking at the site, and it seems like now you say you're you're an art um, and uh, and photography restorer, but you've also had a lot of paranormal experiences in the last few years. Maybe you can explain how those how those started and what what they consist of.
2: Uh, yes, I'd be glad to, Charles. Uh, it started almost six years ago when I was uh, asked to be the executor for my dear friend of thirty years. Um, I call him Paul Yeager in my book because I'm protecting his identity and he was an anthropologist, a very dear friend, and he died suddenly in 2009 uh, and I was called in to take care of the estate and as I was uh, proceeding to work at the home and try to go through uh, mountains of uh, artifacts and all types of things that he left behind. I did not realize how much of a hoarder he had been in his life because a lot was hidden from me when I had visited his home. And I then, with my son Chris, spent the next 10 months at his rancher-style house. It wasn't a really large house, but it was just chock full of everything you could imagine that he collected from world travels. Plus, his parents had done previously, they also collected. So we were looking at 50 years of hoarding to go through. And while we were at the home trying to clear out everything for the house to be sold, we then encountered a really horrific uh, uh, poltergeist activity, and it just escalated from there. It was really strange.
0: Well, what kind of activity do you, did you encounter? What, what did the poltergeists do?
2: We started with, in the basement, we had been working to get a sump pump Uh, constructed because of a water problem, and the day before the contractors were were coming, we were clearing a whole 45-foot section of the wall to move things to another position so it wouldn't be in their way, and as soon as we were packing more things, my son told me, he said, Mom, what keeps falling? Something keeps dropping on the floor, and I didn't pay much attention to it, but then he started yelling that something, um, a cassette Tape had flown right by his face and hit the back wall. And I said, Well, what's going on, Chris? He said, Mom, I don't know, but there's things flying around here. And I just kind of looked at him puzzled. And then as soon as I was near a set of bottom of these steps, a black object hit my peripheral vision and I started screaming. I didn't know what it was. My son came over to me and saw that it was a black leather glove. And that was the first real incident of seeing things that were trying, you know, they're from one area of the room to the other. And then in the next few hours, it was everything and anything. You can imagine being thrown around against walls. We actually saw a tin can on a shelf and it started vibrating. My son grabbed my arm. He said, look at this, look at that thing that's rattling on the shelf. And the tin can actually took a couple of steps it moved off the shelf and then fell off off it to the floor. And we just looked at each other and said, this is crazy. And we just were astonished. We weren't afraid at that point. We just thought it was the most amazing thing to see because my son and I have always been, we loved um, horror movies. We've always loved uh, things that scare us like that. We loved Poltergeist you know, grow, when I was growing up and watching the movie and everything. But I never thought I would actually witness things just take off and they could be books, they could be um, things that hit against metal cabinets, and that was the beginning of, of I guess after when they came the next day to dig the sump pump, that's when things really like all started to escalate after that. We were actually at the house about five months without much activity, like a few little weird things happened but we didn't put much credence into it, but after when they came and did that construction work it's like it started with the basement and then it just sort of infected the rest of the house on the upper levels that we started getting poltergeist activity all around. And it was, we we had shadow people. We actually then started bringing in our recorders. We weren't, we're novices at this. We have never been on investigations. And we said, let's try to collect some evidence because people are not going to believe this. And, and that's when we started uh, collecting video and audio of, Really fantastic, you know, images. And we have some of this up on YouTube, some of our short little uh, sections that we sh- show you the poltergeist activity happening. So that's what we've done since.
0: That's unbelievable. Now, since the, the poltergeist, since you, you found them uh, at this house, have these ghosts or sh- and, and the shadow people, have they continued to influence your life since then?
2: Uh, yes, tremendously, because we finished at his house the end of October 2009, a lot of artifacts were willed to me, and I brought them into my house through those first series of months that we weren't getting any activity. I just needed to move a lot of things out of the house. So the first call of action was, let's get the things that he's left me, which were very extensive of the artifacts and archaeological of paperwork and things that he had done and I moved him into my basement and not realizing what I was starting to create an atmosphere maybe in my house but it wasn't really apparent until after we closed his house it was sold two months after that in on Christmas Eve 2009 we started having poltergeist activity at my house and it just came out of the blue we were having breakfast on Christmas Eve morning and things we had objects hit against my front door, and my son just looked at me, and he said, you know what that sounds like? I said, I don't even want to believe that this is starting here, but we did. We had, during that afternoon, uh, my son had gone into the bathroom. He was going to get a shower. We were going to my parents that night for our seven-fish dinner because we're Italian, and he, we, we have we were getting our supplies together, making the rain and he went into he said, Let me go get a shower first, Mom. We have to get our things collected, go to Nana and Poppy's. No sooner he stepped into the uh, the bathroom than his razor, his electric razor came flying out of the room and hit against the uh hallway wall. And oh uh, well, that's dangerous, a razor actually. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was his electric razor gets thrown. He gets all upset He goes, What just happened? But I said to him, when I was just glancing in the hallway, saw him going into the bathroom, I saw a shadow on the ceiling, followed him in, and within the next split second, this razor came flying out of the bathroom. And as we were bending down to pick up the pieces, I saw the shadow just went, it went down the steps. And I started yelling and screaming, like, oh, no, not here. And I called my friend Paul spirit say please you know we don't want this here and things really calm down but that was the beginning of things happening in my house The last five years we've had activity
0: here so i had another question but just just to clarify your name is your friend's name is paul
2: spirit no no it's paul uh jaeger that we call him in the book Uh, but i said it was his uh, his it was his spirit spirit. okay i'm sorry And i was calling to say please i don't know what this is but please help me okay yes and do you, that would be interesting <laughs> if his day was that.
0: That's why I so said, what a coincidence! I thought. <laughs> um, so, did did
2: you get in touch with him? Did did his? Do you think you made contact with his spirit? Uh, yes, if uh, people read a state of heart, here's my little plug. I don't mean to do that, but it it explains how we did get in touch with we thought was a spirit and I was convinced it was him and he had messages for me and my son that he could not rest until he explained what was really happening and that led us on a, a journey of a lot of mystery a lot of puzzles but now in the last five years I've been doing research Um we've had our own set of experiences here and it's now leading to maybe a conclusion Um it's been a hard thing to write the second book In the middle of all the activity going on, but at the same point, uh, readers want some questions answered after reading the first book, and that's what I'm trying to supply, at least something that would be, uh, you know, people would feel satisfied, but it's a continued thing that I really don't know if this ever, ever is going to be. You know, anything that's going to come to an exact conclusion like you see in Hollywood, you know, but, but even Hollywood believes always a little bit at the end of their horror movies anymore that, oh, this is not the end. But, uh, it's, it's something that, um, I'm working to make the second book is really more of an incredible journey with, um answering more of what we had discovered in the first book so well that's something I was going to say is I didn't want to
0: spoil the future too much but you know that's 6 years ago and I was going to say maybe you want to reveal what happened when just when we tried to get in touch with you for this interview
2: Oh, yes. Well, uh, Charles, you called me, and we were on my landline, and as you were asking me, we were going to get with the Skype set up, uh, the interference, the phone just went, you know, it just got cut off from you, and that's not the first time. I've been having a lot of that lately when I try to call my son, uh, when I was on a recent um A call interview I actually went on my cell phone only because I did not want that to happen but even on the cell phone as I'm talking with a prospective uh, host who I'll be on her show in a few weeks she said to me there was a lot of interference we heard a man's voice a man's voice telling me to stop talking we heard a child crying we heard um, uh, an old-fashioned telephone ringing in the distance and also a dog barking which has a little bit of meaning if anybody's seen my trailer to a state of horror there is a actual shadow man that we captured on our video and a dog barking uh, a brief evp of a dog barking and we were filming my trailer um a one july hot night it was really hot one and that night there was nobody around at 12 o'clock at night when we were doing this and we had the the director called me when he was editing the getting the trailer together and he said Anita. I don't know what what's, that's at the front door. He said, but there, nobody was wearing a, um, a brimmed hat. And uh-huh. that turned out to be our shadow man that we've seen in the house. Uh-huh. And, and we captured him on our video. And I actually have four still photos, which I'd love to send to you, Charles. And I can send you the link to the, to the book trailer. Uh-huh. But it's the first 10 seconds of our trailer uh-huh. that when you open the front door and you're going down this long, dark hallway, but right at the front door, which is white paneled, you see the image of a man with a brim hat. And right before that, there's a one-second EVP of a dog barking. And that is actually relates to one of my son's um, horrific dreams that he's had about some of the people who lived at my own residence here. I'm built on the property of an 1800s farmhouse. And what has happened is, getting back to with my friend's artifacts, what I brought into my house seems to have activated what was dormant here And we've got a real uh, good and evil kind of thing going on that what was dormant here was fine, but they did not like the trespassers, the things that I brought in to the house. And I had no idea I was doing this until it manifested um, in, in December 2009. And since then, it's been, I've kept diaries and we've been taking pictures and we're on a long journey to get, that's why I'm writing the second book because it has so much of now what's happening here and and what we're discovering and I'm sure there's a wealth of
0: different examples of uh, of paranormal activity in the book if people read it one thing that that struck me is you mentioned that your friend was an archaeologist and I know that all of us are familiar with stories of the Pharaoh's curse and things like that do you think that maybe these spirits are the spirits of people who touched the artifacts that your friend uncovered
2: uh, that might possibly that's a really good question Charles on uh, one particular thing that was left to me that I did not know carried a certain energy, and it's been mentioned. Um, it'll be mentioned in the second book, but actually it's been brought up in um, a couple other interviews. Um, I have a mummy doll. The doll's actually was not in a tomb from Peru, but my friend bought this doll back in the early 70s which today you can't bring these from South America. but the doll itself is made of, of organic material and it's wrapped in textiles that actually came from mummy cloth from the from like 600 AD something like that. And the Chicago Indians at the time in Peru were able because of so much being found of and it was these textiles were not considered of museum quality, um they these were actually just put aside in a dump and they were using those textiles and wrapped the um the, I have a mummy it, it's a figurine of a mother and child and they were actually in textiles that were in a tomb that that dated from a mummy's tomb so that has a certain energy that I did not know it was carrying because we've had investigators here and when they put their meter near it it was Carrying some energy, and then we've also had some American Indian artifacts, a few uh, things having some energy. But he found an artifact in Peru uh, that has since been um, a point of contention because it is a very powerful object. We're not really sure it's a a shapeshifter, and it's been it's in actually. Um, on the program, we were on the Haunting TV show and they did the episode called Portal of Doom and it shows people um, a really great, they did a really great job of presenting our story of what people saw, what was happening with us with this artifact. But it is um, something that we uh, cannot find. It is something that came with all his artifacts and it is something that is carrying great energy and it's anchoring a lot of the spirits in my house that, they don't want this thing to be found because they're getting their energy to stay here. And this is what we're, we're continuing getting. Um, we've had Bill Bean here, uh, who's a deliverance minister. We're all actively trying to see about getting this found to see because it is a dangerous thing. But that's something that my friend was really concerned with the messages he was leaving us. He said, you should not be burdened with this. I should have taken care of this myself. And he died suddenly of a heart attack, so he could not do what he wanted to do. So we are left with this mystery and it is continued, you know, it, it's causing us all kinds of problems. Mm,
1: that's if it. I can, uh, uh, take the opportunity to, to make a little bit of a segue, uh, because you, you do restorations of, um, art and photographs. And I have, I've had a question I've been itching to ask an expert in vintage photography. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've recently become interested in, uh, 1860s era, Civil War era uh, photography, what are some of the features if you were to look at that type of photograph that would tell you okay, this is from that era, this is a legitimate old photograph from 19th century?
2: Uh, Well, if it's dealing with people which most of their ancestor portraits that I've uh, restored, it is the costumes it is actually what they are wearing because I study costume, I do antique doll repair, and a lot of antique dolls wear the exact clothing of their owners, so I've become pretty much uh, keyed in on, if I see an old photograph, I'm able to tell my clients if it's actually even earlier than they thought, and a Civil War, there's a particular um, dress that the women wore, the hairstyle, um, the men's um, suits that they wore, um, the environment, even the age of the photo, um, certain... Phototypes are of that era that did not produce before or even after. So there are many different factors. Like if I see, I was given a Civil War ten type uh, not too long ago to restore, and it was of this man's great great grandfather as a soldier, and he was a Pennsylvania regiment, and it was you know very distinct because of what he was wearing, but also he wasn't wearing a full uniform; he was wearing some homespun uh, trousers because some of these men were volunteers, and until they actually got a full uniform or if they ever did most of the southern confederate soldiers don't have actual regulated uniforms they are actually wearing some of their own outfits so you can tell by even locating where they may be from or what you know area because of the types of boots they're wearing and for the women definitely It's hairstyle. Um, I was given a photograph, and the man was telling me he thought it was Civil War. I told him it was 20 years um, earlier. It was 1840s, because the woman's hairstyle was exactly like what Queen Victoria was wearing in 1840s when she married Prince Albert. So I'm a real history buff, and that's why my friend and I connected, because I'm an amateur archaeologist, anthropologist, and have studied so much on history. And and that's part of it, John, that also, you know, you could – how um you know if it's victorian you can see by the architecture of the homes of course because that started in the 1870s but that's what some of the key elements you know just seeing what the children are wearing um you know little boys were wearing actually female dress until a certain age so some people think that it's a little girl but it's actually a little boy that's dressed in something like an outfit until he's about two maybe three four years old and they could start wearing uh the trousers or britches so that's all part of it. That's something that, that occurred to me actually is that because you
0: work with old photographs so much and mm-hmm. we're restoring dolls, you're going to be working with, with old clothes, old dolls, and even now that you've mentioned being a, an archaeologist yourself, do you think that once these spirits were attracted to you working as the executor that the fact that you're working with so many old things might have been a contributor or, or to these spirits or that some of them might be connected with these old things that you, you work with?
2: Uh, Yeah, I I definitely think that there is a reason for my connection with all this. And because I am um, also I've had um, psychic experiences growing up, but I always put them in the I did not think I was um, almost worthy enough or didn't think that I was anything special to have certain like uh, things of gifts. But I but I was an artist and artists are very sensitive them, a, a group of people. You know, um, I've written about this in some of my blogs how I think artists, all in all, tend to be more sensitive or even more psychic than maybe a general population. And under art, the umbrella is music, literature, poets, p- dancers, people that are using the right side of their brain in abstract ways that we're in tune to abstract thinking and maybe being open to what is out there that's not logical or rational. And me working with old objects. That's actually led me to meet my friend Paul because we had gone to an American Indian lecture. I went to a local lecture and met him there, and this man was talking about American Indians. I I love doing uh, American Indian portraiture, and and if you see my website, you'll see some of my American Indian things I've done. But that's how I met Paul because of my love of ancient history and, and American Indian, and we met, and then the rest is history because if I'd never met him, I've maybe never been open to such an amount of psychic experiences, and my son has become quite psychic. Uh, he was He's always had latent abilities as a child, but being in the experience that he helped me for 10 months, clean out my friend's house, it actually targeted him, and now he's become a reluctant psychic, but his psychic abilities are astounding of the deceased people that come to him in dreams, that they give him the information, and then we look up. And I said, oh, my gosh, Chris, this person really, he just died. This person just died. And my son is just, he's hes really good with it, but it, it it's very hard to live like this. Because the next morning he's totally drained when he has these spirits come to him. And they're all trying to vie for attention or asking for help. And he's writing all these things down uh, next to his bed, you know, in a diary. His wife has been very good about this because she's had her own um, little uh, experiences, but it's very hard, um, you know, being in the real world after a, a, an evening or a whole night of being in a psychic realm of spirits and and actually like talking to them, and they're talking to him, and he actually understands a foreign language, but then when he wakes up, he just translates it in English because he doesn't remember how, how he understood the foreign language, so it, it's incredible. Unbelievable. Now, I, th- this leads me to wonder
0: now you're 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 getting in touch with so many um especially having psychic abilities and you're getting in touch with so many spirits uh, of dead people are you getting the sense that each one is has a very individual personality that these are particular people even that you might be able
2: to pinpoint who they were when they were alive yes uh that is a great question to ask me these people are particular to my friend and his family Uh, It has led me on research. I would have never have even researched. I never even knew this existed. And it is directly messages my son is relaying for us to discover what we feel we're coming to some type of a conclusion or the puzzle pieces are fitting. Each one has come to him in a particular sequence, but also we have random people coming that are related to our actual property. So that kind of gets into the mix, but Bill Bean, when he was here, said to us, you have a smorgasbord and layers of things here, Anita, that are all connected, but because of where you are and then what you brought in, you know, it is being coming together in separate ways, but yes, yet unified, and he was just blown away by what he was picking up. We even have connections to the Civil War because our area was um, connected to the Underground Railroad. Um, there's, a, there's a building only a block up from where I live that in 1812 it was an inn because we live off a major highway outside of Philadelphia, and it was became an Underground Railroad Station for the slaves coming from the south. And our back of our yard, um, I had a gentleman, a, a neighbor, Who had called me when I first moved here and said to me the township was sealing up some manhole covers that were way at the back of my property. And I said, well, why are they doing that, Mr. Furio? Uh, God rest his soul, and he's passed away. He told me, Anita, there's Civil War tunnels under your property that uh, they had to seal up because kids used to go back and do drinking parties when the, the man who lived here before was elderly and he didn't hear these people way in back of the property having uh, drinking parties. So when the police were called from the other neighbors, the, the kids would go down the manhole cover and come out three blocks away. 'Cause they were using these old tunnels and he t- this man, Mr. Furro, said, You have to get these things sealed up. These kids are gonna die down there. And I never knew this. I did not know how much was so Bill B picked up on the Civil War connection and said, You know how much living and dying has been on your property, Anita? I go, Oh, that's all I have to hear. <laughs>
1: Well, I think if you go um, almost anywhere, if you go back far enough in history, there have been humans on the North American continent for Mm -hmm. 12,000 years. So there there must be so many spirits almost anywhere that you
2: might be able to, they might be able to get in touch with us. That's true. If we are, I guess, in tune and are, I guess, there's always um, the chance when you're allowing yourself to be open, as you probably realize, Charles and John, that, you know, with the good comes the bad. So... That's why we've had, like, a portal open in my house. And, you know, this has been, you know, Bill being told us exactly, said, yeah, you've got portals here. The spirits are coming in. It's like a train station. They're coming in and out. They come in some visit. They just tell my son who they are and give him some ideas of, you know, why that they are coming through. I've actually... I actually picked up on a person who had been deceased also. She came through to me and I had never had that experience before. I was in a semi, like I had dozed off in my lounge chair and this woman came right through my front window and I jotted down what she looked like and everything. And then I read about her obituary 10 days later that she, she died on my birthday. Her son's name was Christopher. That's my son's name. She was an artist and It was just such the strangest coincidence that I picked up on her coming through, but also we have some that have stayed here and will not leave because they're so anchored to the property. But also, as I said, we have these people who have come to my son who had recently died and they were giving him messages. We've also had some historical people that passed away years ago, but there must be something that's interconnected because of the property and maybe because of the time, so they find an opportunity to, to come and vie for attention because it seems like when the portals open, many things will try to come through and my son said they're all cramming my brain at one time. He had three come at one time, and he gave me each one of the names we wrote down all the the uh, facts that he could remember and then when we looked up online, these three people died within a seven days of each other and but they're all from different they were all from different. Time periods like there are different age groups, but they all have specific role on like what we're trying to discover now it, it's so
0: fantastic that's incredible and now uh, one thing I know a lot of people listening might be wondering about is if, if these are in fact uh, individual people that that might have lived in a place um, is they might be wondering if there's a way that they can intentionally get in touch with people, especially. Um, someone who might be related to them, if they could get in touch with lost family members, is that something that's possible, or, or something that maybe people should avoid because of the dangers involved in the spirit world?
2: Well, I think that that is a great point. There is always uh, problems when you when you're actively seeking. You must do it through, I think, the proper channels, and maybe use a psychic medium, someone who is more um, used to having this type of communication now people themselves the more that i've been putting myself out there on facebook and and one of the reasons why i wrote my book was to tell people that you are not alone i had no idea that i would be on this journey because i never considered myself being within a psychic community but now people have come to me and asked me they've told me that they've had dreams or very lucid dreams of a dis- deceased loved one come to them and they said, do you think I was just dreaming? I was just wishing, but it seems like there is a different type of dream. When the person is actually getting in touch with you at this loved one, it is different than maybe just having a dream that has more symbolic issues. And I can almost tell the difference when it's almost like a spirit is trying to contact you. Um, I tell people do not use Ouija boards. Don't use any kind of uh, dark arts or means that you're purposely trying to connect because with that good intention could be something masking It could be almost of a demonic origin or an interdimensional being that was never human because we've had that actually happen with us we've actually had the bad entities have come in and we know some of them have never been human Um, I actually had them on my glass coffee table and on my mirror upstairs the day after our show aired December 28th for the Haunting TV show I had handprints on my mirror that are they're inhuman handprints that are on my, and the mirror is a portal where spirits come through. So, oh, it's, oh, gee, my phone's working. <laughs> hey, Charles, my, hold on one second. Hello? Um, I'm on an interview. Can I call you back? Okay, bye bye. That was my son. <laughs> he did not know. <laughs> he was just calling me. <laughs> Excuse me. But uh, to get no. back, <laughs> see, this is a live show. <laughs> see the phone is working charles my yeah. son called me but i don't know how long that conversation might have been so we got cut off <laughs> <laughs> but uh but but it's people can i think you know tr- try to communicate but you've got to do it in the right sense the right atmosphere um it's, it could be very very dangerous i think and the more that i'm researching the more that i've been part of this
1: uh now if someone who's listening wants to buy your book What's the best avenue for them to do that? How do they uh, seek it out and purchase it?
2: Uh, you can go on Amazon and Kindle and it is a state of horror if you type that in, but also you can go on to uh, my website that all connects with my Anita Joe and tanzo.com, but it's a stateofhorror.com. If you type in a state it'll directly give you to the page with the link that you can then purchase the book through that link
0: that's uh that's really very fascinating and i I think that there's there's a lot that people could could find out in this book that we've only touched on this it sounds like because there's been years of of paranormal experiences right Uh,
2: yes and you know they continue also if people want to read on more current things because as i said the book um, it finishes in two thousand nine. You know, with the journey with my friend's estate, and then now the sequel. It will be bringing out what's been going on since. Um, I have a blog that I have over thirty six thousand readers on my blog, and it's Anita Joe Haunted Author dot dot com, and I have over sixty five blogs written there uh, with personal, up to date experiences that will be a lot mentioned into the sequel, but also it touches on other aspects of supernatural and paranormal aspects like haunted, like the telephone calls that people get they figure from a deceased relative. We talk about, um, I talk about the, um, I actually, this is a whole different show. It could be Charles, but I actually get gifts from, I have a resident Victorian lady in our, on a, in our home from the 1870s, eighties, who was a caregiver that um, a psychic medium told me who she is. She's a guardian of me and she connects with me and she leaves me um, little knitted threaded gifts, which is the most incredible thing. I have over a dozen knitted pieces that they look like they're crocheted, but a friend of mine who collects Victorian morning jewelry told me that the stitches, the very fine work that she leaves me, they're about two inches long, different colored threads, and that you could see that someone hand-worked these. She said they look like when they used to weave the hair from deceased loved ones into morning jewelry and make bracelets and necklaces. She said it's that same technique that she picked up on when I showed her a sample of what I was getting. And this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen, that they're deliberately left for me to find. And every time I'm under a really stressful situation, it seems like this – this entity, the spirit, leaves me these little presents, and my son has also gotten a present. He lives—he lives three blocks away from me, and she's presented him one when he was under a stressful condition. And so she just, um, she just randomly—it's been going on since 2010 that I can remember. There might have been threads left for me before, and I might have vacuumed them up, never realizing. But I was actually led. To, to see what this was by these blue threads were just randomly placed on my son's art table and he said to me mom you know you left threads on my table and I sometimes do handwork; I do antique uh, doll costuming and I said no Chris I wasn't there selling these blue threads look very different from what I collect because they're very unrefined they were silky and they're very long so I did not throw them out for some reason I left them on my coffee table that night the next morning I came down Charles and John and on my dark carpet I saw this blue thread. When I picked it up, those single blue threads had been woven into this chain link design, and I flipped them. You've got to be kidding me. This, These are those threads. And it's like, like, like this woman said to me, or this, uh, the spirit. In other words, these are threads, Anita, but now see what they're made into. So now be on the lookout that if you see these, you'll know. That I'm leading them to, for you. So from now on, you know, when I see something on my, I'm going upstairs. They're on my step. Or um, my son called me one night. I was taking care of my parents um, before they passed away. And he calls me, I'm um, over their house. And he mommy Mom, he said, the lady left you another present. I said, Well, what? In the bathroom on our counter was a purple uh, design that she had, And he said, Wait till you get home and see it. And they've, they're black, brown, blue, red. The most incredible, I actually have a whole blog on gifts from ghosts. I call them ghost threads. And I don't know where they come from, how she's able to do this, but they were deliberately left for me. So (laughs) that's a whole different thing.
0: That's that's unbelievable. We could do a whole program just on yes. that. <laughs> um, well, the, this the interview has gone by incredibly quickly. It's yeah. it's a really inter- interesting subject, and uh, uh, if anyone, we'll go over again. If anyone uh, wants to get more information on your website, it's a n i t a j o i n t e n z o dot and the name of the book is Estate of Horror. Um, So thank you so much for coming on the program with us. Oh, thank you, Charles
2: and John. It was a pleasure talking with you, and thank you for having me on the show. And as I said... Uh, I would love if you ever want me on the show again. I'd love to be on, you know, and, and do another podcast with you. And it, as I said, the story continues, and I promise anybody who's going to read the second book, they're going to be so blown away from what we're going to reveal. It's
0: well, it, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I'm sure we can uh, We'll email about it because we could talk about about the restorations. We could talk about the further adventures uh, <laughs> with the spirits, and even when the the next book comes out. Oh, well, um, thank you. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, so this has been The Most Important People in the World. Uh, I'm Charles Berman.
1: I'm Jonathan Berman, and as always, visualize sending us money.
0: That's right. If you want to donate, <laughs> just visualize sending it over. Um, <laughs> uh, we've been speaking with Anita Joe tenzo If you have guest ideas or comments, uh, complaints or congratulations or other uh, things to say, send them to Most Important People at the World. No, don't do that. Send with the most important people in the world (laughs) at gmail dot (laughs) com. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Have a good evening or whenever you're listening. Tune in again if you want to hear the show. You've been listening to the most important people in the world. With feedback or guest ideas, contact us at. most important people in the world at gmail.com.